0: Greetings family and God bless you, I have taken a break for a while and did not do any recordings because I felt it was necessary to wait on God um, and to begin to understand uh, the rest of the journey. It is definitely a brand new season. Once again, we are in transition, and this time a very major transition. So it is not even about planning; it is it is simply about hearing the voice of God. I believe that in this season, um, we have to be led entirely and completely by the Spirit of God. To an extent, in the in the years and days gone by, we would gladly plan many things and it's good to plan because planning helps us to walk with excellence it's good to have a vision and to work in accordance with the vision however i'm so convinced that god is allowing us to walk spontaneously in the season and that would show that we are totally dependent on him for how he leads us oftentimes we find, well, I'm finding that it is not even about how I prepare a sermon or anything like that. It is just speaking spontaneously as the spirit would lead from the storehouse and the resource of the word that God has already installed in my heart in the years gone by. And that doesn't mean that I will not study the word, but it means that um, God wants to speak and uh, we do not want to interfere with what God is saying. You will find that in the book of Matthew 24 when the Lord speaks about the last days and the days of tribulation and great challenges and trial and the word of the kingdom will be preached throughout the world as a witness unto every nation. He talks about some of you will have to stand before leaders, some of you will be taken to court. Don't even plan and prepare what you're going to say because your heavenly Father will speak through you. Now in the days gone by, during... Uh, the lockdown period for the past seven months, um, we looked very carefully at um, our hearts as being the Ark of the Covenant, and we looked at how the presence of God needs to completely fill our hearts. In other words, you know, the heart uh, um, is, is, is... The perfect heart is not just a heart after God's own heart, The perfect heart is the issue of life. The perfect heart is a river or a fountain of living water. The perfect heart is also the throne of God, the Zion of God, the mountain of God, the position and place of prevailing and overcoming, and the seat of perfect love. And perfect love is not a thing but God. So we have to come to a place eventually to understand that if God is dwelling within us, then we have to allow God to speak and we have to allow God to lead and we have to allow God to make the decisions. If we still make the decisions for our own lives, it means God is not on the throne. And this is where we really are at the moment. So in understanding this season, I'm convinced in my heart that uh, it is time to manifest the kingdom of God. Now, we personally at Eastgate Family Church have spent 18 years studying the word of the kingdom, but more particularly, how to discover the kingdom within, how to discover that the kingdom of God is actually resident in the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we've done that, it is time now to manifest the kingdom. If, we will, if we're going to be afraid or shy, or hesitant, or lacking confidence and boldness in manifesting the kingdom, then of what use would it be if the kingdom is installed within us? Because the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom, the presence of the king within us was not just for personal value and for personal gain or personal elevation. And that's why even in this season, we have to realize we can be in hiding because we're protecting ourselves, but we have to ask, what is the commission for the rest of the world? How is God viewing all things in the earth? And are we ready to start to manifest the kingdom? Now, in in looking at the word, the Ark of the Covenant and the position of the Ark, there was a time in 1 Samuel 6.1, where the Ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines for seven months. It's amazing but we've had full seven months of lockdown and the Ark was captured. And uh, we know that while the Ark was in the camp of the Philistines, um, their god Dagon kept falling. And we know that the hands were broken, the legs were broken, and finally they picked it up again and... Dagon fell again and the head was broken. And after the seven months, they wanted to get rid of the Ark as much as the Israelites wanted the Ark captured again. And uh, we know that um, the word Philistine means immigrant. And uh, we know that the Ark also, the meaning of the Ark really is, is a strange word. It's a chest, but it also means a coffin. And our hearts have been like coffins, dead men's bones, hurts, pain, struggles, rejection, unforgiveness, but also fear. That's another aspect that can trap the heart and keep the heart enclosed. And the time has come now for the heart to be free. And the only way the heart can be free is through perfect love. And we realize that um, It is a season of great challenge now one of the greatest challenges we are facing presently and we know that it is not just a localized or a national issue but we are actually facing a very global issue and this global issue is going to determine whether we have actually entered into the perfect love of god or whether we are still living the way Adam did in fear. Because you see, Adam feared and he said to God, you know, I didn't want to come into your presence. I hid because I feared that I'm naked. But the time has come, the Bible says, in 1 John chapter four and verse 16 to 18, uh, the Bible talks about how we need to be conscious of and understand by experience uh, and knowledge. The love that god cherishes for us and that god is love and that if we remain and continue in love we remain and continue in god and god remains and continues in us but the bible also says that we will have boldness and confidence in the day of judgment to face god because as he is so are we in this world now Adam couldn't face God, he hid, and he knew that he couldn't face God because he, he feared and he knew that he feared because not everything in his life was correct. Um, and so when he feared, he hid. Now this is not a day for us to be fearing and it is not a day to be hiding. The Bible is clear that because of perfect love, we have confidence and boldness to face Him because as He is, so are we in this world. So I want to say that uh, it's going to be a great challenge. As a matter of fact, I think the challenge here is the love challenge. Uh, We are being challenged as to whether we really understand God's love for us because the love of God tells us clearly that there's nothing that can separate us from God. It will not be trial, peril, nakedness sword um, it will not be depth or height or length or breadth not principalities or powers nor things to come nor things that have been uh, nor angels nor death nor life these things cannot separate us from the love of God and if we understand the love of God then the one thing we know that God loves us so much that if anyone or anything touches us they touch the apple of his eye and the promise is not even a hair on our head will be numbered so it is the love test we either know that god really loves us and we are experiencing that love or we have not reached the place of mature love in other words we don't even understand god's love let alone um, us um, exuding or manifesting this love now the bible says in ephesians 2 19 to 22 now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but you are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of god See, we are part of a household and if the household stands together strong there's nothing that will destroy the household you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets jesus christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for the habitation of God through the spirit. So this building process is very important. It is critical in the season that the body of Christ, which is the temple of God, that carries the fullness of God through his spirit needs to now manifest. We can never walk in victory if we are alone making decisions on our own we will not be able to walk in this victory if we're alienated or we separated or we are we are strangers now we know that there is such an amazing significance about seven seven is completion seven is perfection seven is the full journey the israelites had to walk regard to celebrating the three feasts which are broken up into seven god gave us seven days and there are seven spirits of god or seven radiations of the spirit of god Uh, so the next phase of our journey which is going to be the manifestation of the kingdom now we cannot manifest the kingdom if the kingdom principles and the king who rules in the kingdom is actually resident in us. We will never be able to manifest the kingdom. And if we're still afraid, it means the king is not resident in us. And that is really the truth, the bottom line. We have to cut it fine and be honest about these things. Otherwise, we have not understood the word of God. So we know that um, uh, we have shifted now uh, from understanding the sevenfold spirit to the place of manifesting sonship, to the place of now revealing the Father, the fullness of the Father within. And this is important for us because in the season, the earth has got to see the Father. Uh, the Bible tells us in Matthew 13:43: They that are wise will shine like the sun in the kingdom of my Father. Romans 14:17 tells us clearly that the kingdom of God is within us. The Kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So today I want to share perhaps one aspect of the manifestation of the Kingdom. How will the Kingdom be manifest? And I think we have to get a few uh, very critical issues in order before we can actually start to manifest the Kingdom. And the first would be the will of God, very important. We are shifting now from a pre-planned, organized um, way of doing things to a spontaneous Holy Spirit led way of manifesting the kingdom. Um, When the Lord Jesus Christ walked the road on his journey There were many spontaneous things that happened. He didn't deliberately go looking for somebody who was demon-possessed or blind. Uh, There were many spontaneous things that happened. And these spontaneous things he immediately understood were opportune moments for him to manifest the kingdom. So, um, to an extent, church became a bit of a religious order because of how well organized we were. And I do believe that we ought to walk with excellence, absolute excellence. But at the same time, we can't be so organized uh, that we don't hear the voice of the Spirit. We must be willing immediately to hear the voice of the Spirit and to act upon the voice of the Spirit. So the first is we have to align ourselves to the will of God. And this is very important. So Matthew 5 20 tells us I tell you unless your righteousness your uprightness and your right standing with God is more than that of the scribes and the Pharisees you will never enter the kingdom of heaven so it is very clear that this kingdom has to do with a righteousness that supersedes even the righteousness of the Pharisees and the leaders in the days when they were so organized in their rituals and their temple worship and uh, the synagogue worship, that they didn't even leave out the minute details of whether it was pouring water or sacrifices or lighting the the, the candle brass or whatever. These were rituals that they carried out. They were so thorough that they, they, they wouldn't break a tiny tittle of The law that God had given them and yet the Bible says your righteousness must supersede the righteousness of the Pharisees and um, so we can see that this righteousness has, has a lot to do with the will of God and it is more than just a religious order so there will be many changes taking place and some of you who haven't been in church for a while, when you get back, you're going to find that there's a lot of changes taking place. Uh, God will, will, will re-look at, uh, at leadership in the kingdom. God will, some children would be included in leadership because the kingdom is, is it, it also includes children. There will be many differences and we're going to have to adapt ourselves to what God is doing. So when I say that we are going through the love test, uh, this test is going to be a test as to whether we really understand the love of God. Love is not a nice thing. Love is not a good action. Love is not a good feeling. Love is an act of the will of a person to submit to another. Now, when God showed us his love, God literally came in the form of humanity and died for us. That was his love. See, so love is not about being nice. Love is about the act of God. Love is about the will of God. And that's something we're going to have to understand. So if we truly love God, the Bible says, uh, the only way we can walk with the love of God and the love for God would be if we keep his word in its entirety. We can't have 90% of the word and then struggle with 10, or 99 and struggle with one. We're going to have to walk the whole word, and that's not going to be easy. But we're going to have to step out by faith and walk the whole journey. So if you look at how the Lord taught the disciples, for instance, he said, you've heard that it was said, uh, by men of old Matthew five twenty one. you shall not kill whoever kills is going to be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court but i say to you anyone who continues to be angry with his brother or harbors malice enmity of heart against him shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court, and whoever speaks contemptuously and insultingly to his brother shall be liable and will be unable to escape the punishment imposed by the Sanhedrin. But whoever says, You cursed fool, you empty headed idiot, shall be liable to and unable to escape hell the hell of fire. So, if you bring your gift to the altar, don't even bother to leave your gift there. 23 says, When you remember your brother has a grievance against you, leave your gift at the altar, go and make peace with your brother. Then you come back and present your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser. While you are on the way traveling with him, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put into prison. Now, this is not a literal, natural thing. God is talking about the ability to forgive, you know, I was looking at it and I realized that mercy is unconditional, love is unconditional, grace is unconditional, goodness is unconditional, but forgiveness is conditional. Because if you do not forgive, the Bible says clearly you will not be forgiven, and you're going to find that in Mark 11, 24 and 25. If you do not forgive your brother, you are not forgiven. It means if you cannot forgive somebody, you are not saved. You are outside of salvation. And that's quite a dangerous place to be in because if you do not forgive, forgive, then God has not forgiven you. So one of the first things we're gonna to have to do is align ourselves to the will of God in the season. In other words, we cannot make a decision. We cannot so plan ourselves so well uh, that we actually remove God from the planning. We're going to be led by this planning. And clearly the Bible is saying to us that your righteousness is going to have to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees because they, per- they perfected the rituals and yet you are called to go above that. So what is above that? It is even if you think in your heart anger against your brother, you are in danger of judgment. So you can see that the standard is so much higher. But I will leave you with that. We'll continue with the will of God to understand the will of God as we go along because if we don't understand the will of God, the manifestation of the kingdom will not uh, be accurate. So God bless you until we speak again.
1: it's a pleasure to share the Word of God with you this morning uh, the message that was preached at church on the 22nd of November 2020. Please note that it is an edited version because the original one was about an hour long. Uh, The topic is dealing with mixture for relationship. Uh, I would like to advise everyone to understand that all teachings from this house must be seen and understood as a continuum, a seamless whole, with the express intention of manifesting the Kingdom of God in the earth. This is preceded by self-judgment, self-evaluation, deep introspection, and also an internal audit of our lives. All these mean the same thing. My last teaching to this house was on mixture, in communion or relationship in the church. And today, I would like to take it a step further, and that is how to deal with mixture. To do that, a brief revision will help us on this journey by looking at the following scripture, which has been done in the previous message and other messages preached from this house. 1 John 4:18 and I would like to read and then place it in context a little, a little later on There is no fear in love dread does not exist does not exist in agape but full grown complete perfect love which is really God turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror for fear brings with it the thought of punishment in whatever form and so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love it is not yet grown or is not yet grown into love's complete perfection well that is the desired destination for the church complete perfection that is why jesus says uh, this behold i stand at the door and knock why does he want to come in? To cast out fear. He cannot and should not be standing at the threshold or next to a closed door for too long. So before I run ahead of myself, let us look back to 1 John 4, a reading from verse 15. Before I do so, I want to state categorically that perfect love indwells, indwells me. And so I am speaking from experience, experience that I have uh, had in the recent past. I've touched on that at, uh, in the previous message, but I'm not going to go there. But let us now look, put this scripture, 1 John 4:18 in context as we read from verse 15. Anyone who confesses, acknowledges, owns, That Jesus is the son of God God abides lives makes his home in him and he abides lives makes his home in God now that's a powerful statement verse 16 and we know we understand recognize our conscience of by observation and by experience is again powerful words and believe adhere to and put faith in and rely on the love God cherishes for us God is love and he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God and God dwells and continues in him or her verse 17 in this union and communion with him love is brought to completion to perfection within us that we may have confidence in, uh, for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face Him because as He is, so are we in this world. Now the day of judgment is the time when we are going to face Him. What does the day of judgment entail? Just quickly, we are going to be judged whether God lives in us and we in Him. Let's go back to 1 John 4:18. So there is no fear in love. You can read the whole of uh, verse 18. Once we get that right, which is the first commandment, because that's where it hinges on the first commandment, the second will naturally and will flow organically. Verse 19: We love him because he first loved us. Then verse 20: If anyone says, "I love God," and hates detest abominates his brother in Christ he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen and this is the punch verse 21 and this command this charge this order this injunction we have from him that he who loves God shall love his brother also. So we cannot introduce mixture in the first two commandments. So fear and love cannot coexist. They are not partners. They are extremes. So this lockdown has has really opened my eyes to what Jesus said in Mark 14.25 when he says solemnly and surely I tell you I shall not again drink of the fruit of the vine or yes vine till the day when I drink it of a new and a higher quality in God's kingdom and then look at Matthew 26:29. I say to you I shall not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it with you and of a superior quality in my father's kingdom that is why Jesus refused the mixture that was offered to him at the cross you remember at Golgotha to be specific and uh, when uh, let's read Matthew 27 34 they offered him wine mingled or mixed with gall to drink but when he tasted it he refused to drink it he tasted it tasted it but he didn't drink it i believe john in 1 john four eighteen has introduced to us what jesus meant by having communion on a new level communion that is devoid of mixture where perfect love and fear cannot coexist. Mixture will cause us to be unproductive, just like the fig tree in the vineyard in Luke 13 verse 6. If we are unproductive, we bear the consequences of the fig tree, and you know what that is. The tree will be chopped down. In every season, we are called to bear good fruit for the Master's use. Another scripture that informs us of the danger of mixture is Revelation 3, uh, verses 15 to 16. Let us read. I know your record of works and what you are doing. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, that's mixture, Neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Mixture is a recipe for lukewarmness. The church at Laodicea, the seventh and final church, is addressed as having mixture. It describes the current church that obtains the earth, the hot, the cold, and the lukewarm. And we can choose which church we are. One can only imagine what will happen to the cold church after what Christ Jesus says to the lukewarm church. Now let us look at this scripture, Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears and listens to and heeds my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will eat with him, and he will eat with me. That's a communion for a higher level. So now we begin to understand where the table of the Lord is being established. This is communion on a higher level, a new level, bringing in a new dispensation. That's uh, we've touched on the book of Hebrews. And it brings us into a position of rulership and victory. This is not the door of this building that Jesus is referring to, but that of the heart. This is where communion of a higher level takes place. But let us continue. Revelation 3.21 says this, he who overcomes is victorious. I will grant him to sit beside me on my throne as I myself overcame was victorious and sat down beside my father on his throne. Family, the word overcomes, begs the question, what? What must we overcome? The answer is mixture. The father is rearranging the church's position on his throne to manifest the kingdom in the earth. But it starts with our own personal earth, our bodies. Get rid of mixture. Rulership starts in us first, our homes hence the lockdown and those who are married just remember your relationship with your spouse is very very important to take you to the next level if there are any kind of problems in your marriage your relationship with your children i believe this is the time when you need to pick yourself by your bootsting the uh, strings and sort it out when we sit on our thrones we become idols to and of ourselves. Idolatry in any form is a mixture. Sometimes we make ourselves so good uh, when compared to our spouse. You can't separate yourself. You, uh, we've heard of people who are, who are not sharing the same bedroom yet they are married and this is an abomination. The word also draws a clear distinction between God and mammon. They should not mix, and you can study the offering that was made by Ananias and Sapphira after they sold a piece of land. They connived to keep back a part of the proceeds, but presented a false picture of honesty and integrity. Their offering was a mixture, a suspect offering, and the result was death. They were chopped down, just like the fig tree in the vineyard. Do you want to get rid of mixture in your life? Today I wish to present to you how we can overcome mixture and take our designated position in this new dispensation and manifest the kingdom of God now in the earth. Before I do that, I wish to point out, even if there is mixture in our lives or on the environment we live, there is hope, provided it is dealt with. And I've been reading the book of Acts within this, in this week, and I was amazed at the wisdom of Paul when he entered Athens. He found that the people were devout and very religious. They had erected many altars dedicated to the many so-called gods they worshipped. Each altar had a name of a god. Lest they miss out on worshipping a god, they may have overlooked or did not know its name they erected an altar and wrote this inscription inscription to an unknown God they wanted to cover all the bases in their religious expression lest they invite the wrath of an unknown God so in this environment of mixture Paul delivers his sermon on Mars Hill telling them who this unknown God is you can read Acts chapter 17 for more detail but Paul makes a powerful statement in verse 28 and I would like to read that about this unknown God he says this for in him we live move and have our being for we are also his offspring so let us get to the root of Of getting rid of any form of mixture by examining the Word of God. I'd like to look at Genesis 127 and Genesis 128. God created man in his own image. If he created us in his image, that's our destination. In the image and likeness of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, etc., etc. Adam was created to show us the mixture and the result was the fall of mankind. Satan elicited the mixture in the corporate Adam. Jesus came as a template without mixture and was recognized by Peter when he said, Peter, Simon Peter, replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I need to explain Jesus' reply when he said, Blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied, I read from verse 17, Are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, But my Father, who is in heaven, verse 18, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So Jesus is building his church. Actually, God is building his church. And when Jesus made that statement, I believe that God was speaking through him. And then he says this, And the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it and he makes this verse 19 and i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven the question is do we have the keys This is a church that is being built. Christ is a church. Head and body together. And we've touched on Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, Jesus Christ. Christ is, and you look at communion, and how we explained it, where before he he broke the bread, he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and then they ate it. It became part of, they assimilated it. This church, the corporate Man, is in the image and likeness of the Creator. That is why I think we've come to a place where we realize now this communion is taking place in us. When Jesus said he will build or form his church, it was according to the image and likeness of God. And Jesus came in that form. Let me explain the meaning of God for us to understand the image and the likeness. For too long we thought God was one old man with a big beard. But really, what is God? God is not the name of a personality. Yes, Father is, but not God. God is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit together. It's it's not a single person as we understand in the natural. God describes the nature a quality of being, a divine nature devoid of any mixture. And so if we are created in that image there must not be any mixture in our lives and Jesus fits that template. Today I wish to present to us how we can overcome mixture and take our rightful place in this new dispensation by following Jesus. The body follows the head not the other way around. How to overcome mixture is to understand the Beatitudes that is in uh, Matthew chapter 5 you can read that Jesus preached as his Sermon on the Mount detailing the qualities of one not exhibiting any mixture each beatitude depicts the ideal heart condition of the kingdom citizen verse 3 poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God and he precedes that by blessed are the poor in spirit or blessed are the poor and spirit. One who, and who is that? One who does not think highly of himself, not narcissistic, not proud, not arrogant, not one who makes himself an idol, but one who is humble and has a propensity to share. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And we have to come to this place to comfort those who are suffering. Uplift them and make them feel better, especially after they've experienced a loss. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We have to deal with our ego in this season and every form of fear. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. No prejudice, no bias, treat everyone with respect and dignity. Verse 7, merciful. Blessed are merciful, for they shall obtain or be shown mercy. We have to forgive unconditionally. Say it again. Forgive unconditionally and explore ways to be kind to others, even if you consider them unforgivable. And don't delay the forgiving. Do it as quickly as possible. And I explained to you what unforgiveness is would do to you, it's like carrying that person, wishing them dead and carrying them on your body and all the toxins from them will eventually get into your system and pollute you. Verse 8, pure in spirit, blessed are the pure in spirit for they shall see God. That is what I'd like to focus on. Blessed are the pure in heart, the pure has no mixture, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. But they shall be called the sons of God. There is a demand for self-control so that we can establish peace. We have to control ourselves in the season. You don't lose control of yourself. Because when you do that, I can tell you this, peace will not reign in your life. In verse 10, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And because you're a candidate or a citizen of heaven you will have to go through some form of persecution but if you are persecuted for something that is unrighteous you've got a problem but for the sake of righteousness then I can tell you this you are on your way to being a true citizen of the kingdom of God. But you have to stand up for the truth, even if you are ridiculed, even if you are teased, even if you are insulted. I would like to focus on verse eight. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Notice each beatitude starts with the word blessed or blessed. What does it mean? That word affirms that the state of blessing already exists. It is a declaration of grace that does not demand any sweat. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. What are the requirements? Integrity, no deceit, no bad behavior, no lies, no exaggeration. Being honest, wholesome lives, not given to fabrication, don't make up stories. Don't be involved in gossip and all the other things, murmuring, etc. Singleness of devotion. Committed, no skillful deception, undivided loyalty, not shaped by the things of this world, by gossip, murmuring, no mixture. In the same way, one can take each of the Beatitudes and you can prosecute each one, but I'm looking at being without mixture. Let us consider for a moment the life and teachings of Jesus. And a close study will reveal the operative word of his teaching and lifestyle was love. So what did he teach? If you look at the teachings of Jesus in the four gospels, you will come to this. Jesus says, Love the Godhead. Say, Love your neighbor as yourself, the first two commandments. Forgive those who wronged you or who wronged anyone. For that matter, you forgive them. Stand proxy and forgive the person. Love your enemies. Ask the Father to forgive our sins and make restitution where possible. And we have the authority to forgive. We have been given the authority. And we have to repent of our sins and stand proxy even for the sinner. And we must not be hypocritical no hypocrisy. If you made a mistake, admit it, and get on with life. Let us look at Jesus' lifestyle, and I'd just like to just look at when he was 12 years old. You can read that in Luke 2, uh, 41 to 52, when he and his adopted parents were on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And during the pilgrimage, he finds His true identity. His reply when he was found was that he was engaged in his father's business. And so he was separated from his adopted parents to connect with his true father. He dealt with mixture, even though it wasn't a bad mixture, but he dealt with it right there. And, you know, he even healed a leper. Matthew 8. He wasn't scared that the leprosy would now come onto him. He dined with a sinner like Zacchaeus. When he dined with him, he didn't for a moment entertain the thought that the sin of Zacchaeus would fall upon him. When he preached to the Gentiles, he was not xenophobic. And especially to that woman who had six husbands he was not afraid of what people would say but he preached he didn't feel that if he spoke to her then the possibility is that she was seduce it. no he had compassion for the sick and you know Jairus's daughter was healed he, so he didn't pick and choose only the Jews chose anyone forgiveness in Luke 22 Remember when he was arrested and the high priest's servant's ear was uh, sliced and Jesus just touched the ear it was healed. He forgave the guy. Though Jesus mixed with different types of people, his love, kindness, compassion for people was not part of his end. He didn't take sides. He engaged in straight talk by convicting the leaders of the synagogue of being sinners when they brought to him a woman caught in adultery. He straightens the bent woman. The church is being straightened and it can be painful, but we cannot remain bent for too long. Backache is becoming a common problem recently. Is God saying something when you're experiencing this backache? Is there more to the backache than the backache itself? He calms the storm and changes the weather. He was bold. He exercised authority from a position of Purity, no mixture. Because he who is pure indwells dwells us, we will do greater things. So the fact of the matter is, when he says we will do greater things, we have to deal with mixture first so that we can do the greater things that he did. Just an advice to parents as a roundup, be aware that you don't sow any form of mixture into your child's life. This thing about truth fairy and all the other nonsense uh, must stop. Stop immediately. Because you don't know the effect that it will have on the child. If you notice, mixture in our teaching, or lifestyle, you are at liberty to confront us. And we will gladly and willingly do the necessary correction. I'd like to end there. God bless you. Have a wonderful day further in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We'll